episode 114 of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast features now a two-time guest, Coach Sean McPherson. Sean is the Texas Sales and Business Development Director for Powerlift. In this episode, we dive into Sean McPherson, the man. He is more than just a sales rep or a weight room guy. He's in great. He is a great investor of people. Check him out. Check out Powerlift and see what Sean and the company can do for you. Before we jump into today's episode, just a few housekeeping things. Remember to follow the show on Twitter at HWCN Podcast. Share this show or any episode that you find value in. And please don't forget to leave a rate and review, especially if you find it a five-star value. If you are in the Dallas area and are looking for some fantastic custom cookies that look almost too good to eat, check out Texas Treaties. If you're into stepping up your menswear game and to become as dressed as some of the best athletes and personalities in the DFW area, check out EtiquetteDawnCustomApparel.com for more information. Etiquette Dawn has been featured in the Knot and other bridal sites. When you need a coffee that works as hard as you do or is as strong as your squat, bench, deadlift, clean, snatch, or RDL, check out Viking Coffee Company. Podcast listeners use the code Coffee with Noonan for a 10% discount on single purchases. If you're looking for a quick and effective way to keep your weight room, locker room, mat room sanitized, check out Xanago Sprayer. Enjoy today's episode with Coach Sean McPherson. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by Sean McPherson. He is the Texas Director of Sales and Business Development for Powerlift, um, one of the premier um, strength equipment uh, companies, uh, I would say globally, but I know you guys focus a lot more on the, on the continental United States, I would assume. Um, but uh, bar none, uh, one of the best in the business. Uh, but I wanted to kind of, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Powerlift, man, but I wanted, I wanted the people to know like, you know, you, you, you actually have skin in the game from the coaching side. Like, um, and I think Missy had put a tweet out, um, not too long ago, but you know, just kind of who, who is Sean aside from just powerlift? Cause I think most people know you as just the dude from powerlift that always has some great swag, um, right. <laughs> you know, but, uh, but you got a lot more knowledge than, uh, than what people realize. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say first and foremost, knowing the the thing with me is um, I don't really see myself as a sales rep. Um, I think that's what kind of makes me a little different. Um, when I walk into a weight room, I'm at home. Uh, it doesn't matter where I'm at. If I walk into a room full of coaches, I feel like I'm at home because for 20 years prior to, to cropping over with Powerlift, that's what I did. Um, when you say skin in the game, I mean, I had a what I would call a a 20 year or almost, you know, what you would have as a standard military career um, before you retire or have eligible for retirement um, as a strength and conditioning coach, division one. Um, I was extremely blessed um, with the the journey I took and the path I took. And I was blessed to be who I was able to, to coach with and for. Um, and then, you know, um, I had to make a make a decision based on my daughter um, when the time came when I was at University of Texas and decided to cross over into this side of things. But I, cause I couldn't get out of strength conditioning because it's, it's my life. Um, it's who I am. Um, and so now I use power lift, um, as a way to pay it forward and stay in the game, but not have, uh, the, the burdens and, and stresses that I know you guys have on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. You know, you, you, 
you probably have the the extent of your frustration is coaches and delaying their decisions, <laughs> uh, you know, the budgetary issues um, and, and other red tape that school districts uh, put on you. And then obviously, you know, when, when certain um, additional companies that you, that you work with to procure equipment, yeah. back order stuff, i.e. Uh, jump mats, but then, you know, you work your Sean magic and stuff just shows up. So <laughs> I, I sincerely appreciate all you do, man. But uh, it's I appreciate awesome. that. It's awesome to uh, to hear you talk about making those decisions for the best interest of your family. I think yeah. far too many times coaches put their personal best interests ahead of the family, and you know it leads to a lot of issues. Um, it does, you know. But for you and. and before you get to before you got to powerlift, you know what are the things that spurred you into becoming a coach in general? I got into um, coaching because I could no longer be an athlete. My entire life was generated um, being a pro baseball player, um, and I had I was projected on that path as a pitcher. Um, and injury took place my freshman year of college at Carolina, and it, forego my opportunity to, to be a collegiate baseball player. Um, and so I had to step away from the game. Hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life um, because I didn't know how to be anything but uh, an athlete. Um, academics were always byproduct of what I did um, athletically. So that being said, I, th I thought I want to be a physical therapist. I, I want to help other guys not go through the same thing I'm going through so they can fulfill their dreams and they're not limited by injury. Well, that was really boring to me, to be honest with you. Uh, the physical therapy side of it was, it was extremely boring. I wasn't hands-on. I couldn't, yeah, I was very aggressive, I guess you would say, in nature. And I, I, it didn't forego me the opportunity. I don't see myself in a lab. I don't see myself in a clinic. I never have. Um, so from there, I was like, what can I do? Like physical therapy is not my jam. That's not what I'm, what I'm about. So what can I do now? And lo and behold, I was actually working at the Student Recreation Center at the University of North Carolina when I met Ken Shepard. Uh, Coach Ken Shepard at the time was an assistant under Jeff Mad Dog Madden. Um, and they were still at the University of North Carolina before they journeyed out here to Texas. Um, Shep told me to come in, take a look, see if I liked what they were doing, see if that was something I might want to get into. Um, I had the, the pleasure of meeting um, Coach Madden at the time. And he ran me through the paces, um, told me what it would be like to be an intern there. And I said, I'm in, let's go. Um, and so from there, the journey began. Um, I was able to work with Dog for a year, year and a half, I think, before he left and went to uh, Texas with Mac or Coach Brown. Um, and then I, I stayed behind because I was finishing up my degree path um, with the new staff, um, Bulldog and uh, Greg Gatz, who's still at the University of North Carolina, um, and worked work, work the paces as an intern there. Um, and then from there, um, I was – because of a connection I have, we know how coaching is connection-based – um, I was able to afford the opportunity to get my graduate degree in strength and conditioning at Baylor University um, through a connection I had at, at Carolina. He took a job at Baylor um, because of my baseball background. He needed a baseball dude at Baylor, and here I come. So um, went to the G, went the GA route at Baylor, uh, ran that for two years, um, ran every team under the sun because at that point Baylor was not what Baylor is today. It was Baylor of old. Um, and so as a result, there was a lot of responsibility thrust on me as a graduate assistant. 
and I hit the ground running, much like the coaches I know and I talked to today hit the ground running. Um, you just you do the best you can. You learn what you can. You just keep on stepping. Um, and then from there, I did a good enough job that they wanted to hold, retain me. And so they retained me, and I stayed at Baylor for, for 10 years um, before leaving to go to Kansas and then finishing up at the University of Texas. Man, that's uh, that's quite the journey. Um, I didn't realize that you were a, a Tar Heel. Mm-hmm. That's so that's pretty cool. Um, did you always like so growing up? Did you always want to go to UNC, or did you ever consider any other, any of the other Tobacco Road schools? No, uh, for me, I only had one cho- one one choice as a as a child, and it was to be a Tar Heel. Um, my uncle, uh, was a Carolina grad and a Carolina alum and all this other Carolina stuff that goes along with that Rams club, all that good stuff. And he influenced me at a very young age that that's what I need to do. Um, I fell in love with the school, fell in love with everything. And so my entire path academically through athletics was to get me to Carolina. Um, there was no other option for me to the point, funny story, <laughs> To the point, my junior year in high school, um, I had obviously coaches coming out, recruiter, you know how it goes. Recruiters are coming out, watch me play, watch me throw. And uh, East Carolina University, strangely enough, where my mentor's at now, came out, watched the game, uh, waited for me after the game, and I met them in a Carolina jacket, University of North Carolina Tar Heels jacket. <laughs> and so the coach was like, well, uh, son, if you're trying to come play it, East Carolina, I think you might need to put that aside. I said, I can't put Carolina aside, but I appreciate the opportunity. And that kind of ended that journey with East Carolina. <laughs> yeah. But that to, to answer your question, I, I bleed blue. Um, I love the university too, but I do bleed blue um, through and through. Gotcha. So when it comes to, you know, all the other NCAA sports, it's, it's Carolina everything. No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, as I've gotten older and, you know, as I've been a strength coach and met a lot of people, I have a lot of relationships around the country. I've grown an appreciation for every institution, every D1 institution or every college, you know, because it's everybody has their own journey. Um, in college football, I can't say it's Carolina through and through. Yes, I love Matt Brown. <laughs> yes, I love what he's done with the program and his second coming. Um, but I'm a, I'm a Bama guy and actually I'm a Tennessee guy. I love Tennessee. I went to the Tennessee Bama game this year. Bucket list. Um, thanks to my boy Garrett, and uh, it was it was phenomenal. Um, I'm a Tennessee and a, and a Bama football guy. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, not uh, a Seminole though. It's <laughs> all right. It's all right. Um, we won't hold that against you. I appreciate it. But uh, but so as you as you as you come over to Texas and you're working at Baylor, mm-hmm. how did you? begin to figure out what it was that you were going to kind of hang your hat on in regards to your principles. I know you had your, your grooming at UNC and, and such, but when you're there and it's different and you are in charge, yep. right. You got to adapt. So, so at what point did you start going, okay, this is for sure what we're going to do. Cause I know it works. And uh, you, you start to see the fruits of that. Um, I mean, you, you never – I've told you this before, no, 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 to all the coaches the same thing. You never stop learning. Um, you either evolve or you die. 
I mean, that's kind of how it goes in, in strength conditioning and really in any profession. Um, but I would say uh, it was probably 03, 04, which I know that dates a little bit. Um, but it was probably my third, fourth year into being a full-time strength conditioning coach that I kind of patterned myself or tracked myself into what I wanted to do. And a lot of that had to do with the, the boss I had at the time who was with me at Carolina as a graduate assistant while I was an undergrad, had gotten the job. Uh, at Baylor and he and I knew each other and he kind of knew what I was about. And so I just kind of took, took that and ran with it. I mean, my, the, the premise of what I did was plyometric based Olympic movements and plyometric based and posterior chain. That was, that was my ride or die. That's my meat and potatoes. I've never gone away from that. I never will. Um, there's a lot of discussion on social media and in the world about certain ways to train and what's good and what's not good. Um, I would, I would ride or die on uh, the principles of, you're going to clean. Um, some sports will snatch. Um, you got to do some kind of triple extension in any sport. Um, you got to have strong lower extremities, strong core, and more importantly, a strong posterior chain to prevent injuries. And the posterior chain goes from the base of your neck um, at, the, at the top of your head, bottom of your head, top of your neck, all the way down to your Achilles. And if you don't prepare the body in that manner, you're going to have injury and, and something's going to happen. Um, but that's, you know, you, you constantly, it was trial and error. Um, my first three or four years in, I was much like, you know, some of the younger guys are now. If they did, if I wrote the workout, I was going to execute the first phase before the athletes ever touched it. I wanted to know how it felt. I wanted to know what it felt like. I wanted to know what they're going to experience. And I wanted to know what the drawbacks were so I could tweak it. My favorite word is a strength coach. So I could tweak either the sets and reps, the volume, you know, the loads, whatever it might have been, the intensities. I wanted to make sure that I had it as fine-tuned as it could be. Um, when you throw it in front of the kids for the first time, um, because that kind of, to me, that's the difference in, in good and great strength coaches is when you are in front of the kids, you have to know your why. And if you haven't executed that program before, or you don't know every movement on that program and you can't defend every movement in that program, then the kids are going to see a weakness in you and they're going to have doubt will creep in and you will not maximize the potential of the student athlete. So when you, let's flip it over to, you now as the guy helping on the other side construct the weight room and, mm -hmm. and acquire the additional um, tools for a, a successful uh, athletic performance program. How often when you ask, how often when you meet with these coaches, the kinds of questions that are you asking because of your experience, both as a coach and now in the variety of different rooms that you've seen, mm -hmm. um, and and do they always kind of give you what you want, or do you have to kind of pry and, and prod a little bit to to get them to to answer those questions? I mean, I think uh, that's a tough one uh, for me. I I think a lot of my questions are based off of my background as a strength coach um, because I don't feel like, and people have argued with me about this, but I don't feel like any two rooms are the same. I'm not going to build your room the same, Noonan, that I would build it for Kyle Keefe's. Two different dudes, two different training philosophies, two different experience levels. So I can't expect to go into a room with someone that doesn't have experience versus someone who does and, and build it the same way. Um, I also have to gear my questions and I adjust my questions and my feedback from the coaches based off of whether I'm talking to a football coach, a basketball 
coach, you know, our sport coach, let's just generalize it to a sport coach versus a strength conditioning coach. Um, that makes a difference in how I'm going to generate the conversation and how I'm going to discuss with them the layout for the facility. Um, different coaches have different needs. Um, I do hang my hat on, you know, talk about hanging my hat on what I did as a strength conditioning your chain. If you look at most of the designs that I've come up with over the past five years, it's going to be heavy posterior chain. Um, when I walked into a lot of the rooms, when I first started with power lift and saw what was already there, um, or walked into a competitor's room or, or whatever, just walking into a room in general, the thing that was a limiting factor in all the facilities was alternatives for posterior chain, whether that be through connecting braces, whether that be through some type of pulley apparatus, whether that be through my favorite, the PCD. There was lots and lots of racks and lots and lots of miscellaneous pieces, but it was an eclectic program. It wasn't an eclectic room, gave you the tools and the toolbox needed for all the different athletes and situations you're going to encounter as a strength coach. So um, to say that I pick and I pry, I do pick and I pry, and I, I, I kind of treat the coaches the way I was treated as a strength conditioning coach under Big John. I mean, you got to tell me your why. Why do you want that Coach, why we need 45 racks? If you can tell me why we need 45 racks, five racks in. Um, you know, why do we need 15 PCDs? Why do we need, you know, how are you, how are you going to train? Tell me your why for one set of five to one hundreds and you got 80 dudes in there at one time. How in the world are you going to use five to one hundreds? One set. You can't. So why spend the money on something that you can't use in a large group set? And that's, I think that's where I differentiate myself from a lot of other, you know, people in this industry is I, I call it like I see it. If I don't think it's a good idea, I tell you, um, I suggest an alternative idea, but if that's what you want, you're the head coach, you're the boss. And that's what we do. Uh, but I try to be as transparent and as honest with all my, my customers the, the, and coaches I can, because if you're not, then um, it, it will be, you will be revealed. If that. How often and I guess I'm trying to ask this in a way that doesn't like. And if you don't want to answer this question, you don't have to answer it, but I'm good. How often are you going into a potential sale? Knowing obviously that they're going to get quotes from other competitors, right? It's just, that's the nature of, of the the game when you're dealing with a yeah. full room either or just call it a build out whether it's a rebuild a brand new facility whatever mm -hmm. how do you pr prevent yourself from just simply saying the right things to get the sale or, or the commission versus at least do your due diligence to ensure that whoever's going to utilize that room, namely the student athletes are getting what they need. Yeah. Um, that, that at times that's become, I guess you would say tricky. It's tricky because I, first and foremost, I represent the brand on my chest when I walk into a room, which is power lift. Um, so I have to keep that um, entering into a discussion with a coach who may like competitor A, competitor B or competitor C. Um, but at the same time, 
being that I was in the trenches as a strength conditioning coach, not as a sport coach, but as a strength conditioning coach. So I take great pride in the fact of paying it forward. And I can't pay it forward with a good conscience if I don't provide my opinion to that coach. And I provide it, I provide that opinion as a suggestion. And I provide the opinion in a, in a manner that is not, uh, I try not to be too aggressive, I guess you would say. Um, but I try to suggest my opinion and, and defend my position and then ask them, okay, well, coach, this is what I would do. But why do you want to do it this way? Have you thought about doing it this way? And then, you know, from there, conversation opens up and a coach will say either it'll be an aha moment. We know how we have those as strength coaches. It'll be an aha moment or it'll be nah, just like strength coaches are. Nah, this is what I'm going to do. And if that's what they want to do, I'm at that point, I'm obligated. I've done my part. I'm at that point obligated to do what the coach wants done. Because um, yeah. at the end of the day, he's the one coaching in there, not me. I'm not I'm not blowing a whistle. Um, so I, I have to, at the end of the day, do what he wants done. Or but I, was, I, would, I would venture to guess at times you walk out of there and you shake your head. Whether going this fool, this, this person is an absolute idiot or – Damn, this is I'm I'm glad that this is gonna work out. Like these kids are like, do you ever just walk out of there going like these kids are absolutely gonna get just the best? Like beside I mean, beside it being power lift, it, it being quality, like you you yeah. like you can have that foresight to know like what's being structured out right is absolutely what's in the best interest of the people utilizing the room. I mean, I, I have that feeling every time I walk out of a, a room and then I get a call from a coach or an AD telling me that I got the PO. Um, I try to, you know, for me, every room is equally important. You know, Texas Tech is no more important than Hendrickson or Dan Geyer is no more important than Axtell. Everybody has, everybody's equally important to me because it's, I'm, it's my way of impacting my profession that gave me, afforded me a lot of opportunities that a lot of people will never have. So, to say that I feel good, I, I I feel great when I when I have the ability to install a room because I know if I've had the ability to have my hands on it, that as long as the right coaches are put in place and they're willing to learn, then the kids are going to benefit from it and they're going to get better. And that's all I can ask. You know, whether it be power lift or whomever, it doesn't matter as long as I know I've had the ability to sit in there and say, well, coach, think about this because the you know the the whole reasons for things happening, I guess you would say. Um, if I've had the opportunity to have that conversation, then I'm just like, okay, I did, I did my deal. Um, you know, I let, let the cookies fall where they may. Um, but I, I never walk out of a room and say, coach is an idiot because there's not a true right or wrong in the design of a facility. There's not a, a, a true right or wrong in a program design. We can have opinions about them and we express our opinions about them. But at the end of the day, Noonan has, using you as an example, coach, you have to be confident in the program that you're executing. Now, would I execute the same program? Probably not. And if we had 10 spring coaches in a room, all 10 will come out with different programs and I'll get different results. So I have to appreciate that and know that even though a coach might not think my way, I, you know, I have to appreciate his, his perspective. And I, and I try to do his or his or her perspective. And I try to do that. When you go to a place and they're, they're not in a position for a full-on renovation, right? Mm -hmm. They have, they already have existing things, and the coach is not asking for just you know an item here or there. 
right? Yep. How do you approach that when you're trying to install some bigger items while still having things already in place, knowing that a lot of that stuff probably can't be moved very conveniently or it's, Mm -hmm. you know, like you look at it and go, this probably should just be thrown out. It's, it's, it it needs to be updated, but they don't have the money, but they're, they want these items. Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you go about kind of working with what already exists um, when you're trying to, when, when a coach is coming to you asking to add on to what they already have? I mean, I've, I use, I approach that. I want to know, okay, coach, what do you need for your training program? Like what, how are you training? Okay. Got that. Once I establish how they're training, okay. What do you need? Or do you have product A or product B or product C to accomplish that? And if you don't have that, then I'll take care of that for you, coach. Um, because when I walk into a meeting, I don't walk in trying to sell a whole room, uh, contrary to what people may think. I walk in to build a relationship because coaching is a relationship business. And so in my opinion, in what in my capacity with power lift, I'm continuing to foster relationships that I would have had if I was still coaching. Um, so just as we have our network of, of strength coaches we rely on, you rely on for your programming and whatnot. And information, you know, give and take. It's the same way. I'm trying to establish a line of communication with that AD or that head coach or that assistant coach so that when they do have a need, they call me um, so that they understand that it, it, to me, it's not about I'm really not about selling the room. I'm about benefiting the kids. I'm about doing something that's going to be a benefit to them and to their program long term. Um, and if I can provide that through information, cool. If I can provide that through 50 bands, that's great, too. Um, or, or whatever it might be, because um, to me, it's just like it was when I was a strength coach. The, my my strongest thing was my relationship, and I think that's that's what I focused on with Powerlift. Yeah. So let's rewind a little bit, and and you know you're you're coming to the end of your coaching career, right? You're going to make this decision. What did you entertain prior to? going to powerlift or was that always the option? You know, cause this is kind of a pivotal time in education and in coaching. And there's a, there's a lot of people wondering if I should be getting out. Right. And, and not everybody's yeah. going to be able to land the job that you have. Right. Cause it seems like it's, it's a really cool deal. You get to be around coaches, you get to be around weight rooms, you get to absolutely whatever, but <laughs> your job there's not as there's not as many of your jobs as there are of teaching and coaching jobs, right? right? So how did you kind of figure out that's where you wanted to work, and what advice would you give to those that are potentially on the fence about getting out? I mean, I I, I probably overstate this. I think see um, who works here in Texas would probably say I overstate this is that you have to know your why. Like if you don't know your why. And you can't defend your why to continue coaching or continue teaching, whatever, or continue whatever that professional endeavor might be. Then it's time to move on. It's time to find something else. If you don't have passion when you wake up in the morning to go into the weight room or go into the classroom or go into my home office or whatever it might be, if I don't have that passion to do so, then it's time to move on. Um, For me, 
it wasn't so much it, it, for me. It wasn't time for me to move on. Um, I knew my my window was closing because we all have shelf lives as as collegiate strength conditioning coaches. I knew my window was closing because of the sport I was involved with. But um, for me, my why changed. My why changed to my daughter. And <clears throat> when my why changed to my daughter, I got tired. I didn't get tired of it. Um, but I will say I did get tired of chasing 18 to 22 year olds instead of chasing my three year old. And I had a decision to make. I could go to University A, or I could go to University B or University C. And I interviewed for all three of those and I couldn't commit, if that makes sense. I couldn't commit because I couldn't leave my daughter. Um, and power lift came about because strangely enough, my last day, true story, the, my last day at Texas, I was walking back into my apartment at the time in Austin and I got a phone call from a Jefferson, Iowa number. I was like, what in the world? So I answered it and it was Miss Chris. Miss Chris is the de facto CEO or, the, you know, she's the boss, I guess you would say, at Powerlift. She's been there with Jeff since they opened the company in 99. She was with Jeff before 99 when he worked for Hammer Strength. They're long, long story. And Miss Chris had always been the lady I talked to throughout my coaching career. But when Blair was my rep, I always talked to Miss Chris and she would always check in with me. You know, she's she's thought of the earth, great lady. She called and she was like, Sean. What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, well, um, just walking in the door from my last day of Texas. Really? This might not be a good time. I was like, well, what, what's up, Miss Chris? What's going on? Everything okay? She was like, well, you know, Blair was the rep in Texas. So I was like, yep, I do. And I know there's not one in Texas and hasn't been for two years. She was like, well, it just hit me. I think you should be the rep in Texas. Would you be interested? And at the time, I was like, sales? Good God. I don't know about that. Um, and then, I, you know, it took me, it really, it took me four months and three interviews um, as a collegiate, you know, to continue in collegiate strength conditioning to make the resolution that I wanted to stay in Austin or stay in the greater Austin area in Pflugerville now um, near my daughter and transition into sales. Um, and how I sold myself on that was I had to know my why. As I said earlier, my why is my daughter. And then my other why was I see the profession changing and having been on the, the OG side of it or what I would call the OG side of it in the late 90s and early 2000s, being on that side of it and seeing how it's transcended, positive whether negative. And so I felt like this gave me a, the ability to coach the coaches. So I still see myself as a, as a coach. I don't see myself as a sales rep. As I said, when we started the conversation, I see myself as uh, basically a, an extension of your staff. And I'm trying to help you do the, make the best decisions you can for your student athletes. And I'm coaching the coaches to make good decisions about the future because it's a huge investment. Not only are the kids a huge investment, but it's a huge investment in general. And so I try to pepper you and other coaches throughout Texas um, or wherever it might be um, with just a little bit of knowledge of what my experience was like and just coach the coaches on making good decisions, man. Like, cause it's the game's changing and, you know, social media is a monster, um, both good and bad. And, you know, a lot of people put stuff out there that 
it's not been tested, I guess you would say. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's a great product. Well, what makes it a great product? Why is it a great product? Again, back to what's your why. Can you prove to me it's a great product? Has it worked for more than one school? Has it worked for more than one athlete? And how long does it work? How, how much has it been damaged? Or, you know, how many times does it get broke? Does it break? So, you know, for me, that's that's what I would say is back circling back to the what happened with me. Um, my why changed and it, I, I wasn't focused on winning championships anymore. I was focused on raising my daughter. Um, and so I would tell any young coach out there or any older coach out there, as long as you wake up in the morning and you can look in the mirror and know that you're doing something to benefit the student athlete and not yourself, continue doing what you're doing. The money will come. It's not about the money. It's about the impact that you're making on those young people that they might not otherwise have that impact with. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, it's and that's um, that's such a tough thing to to you know, trust and have that patience um, and, and that resolve um, because there's a lot of external factors that that push and pull on us um, to to make you know, one, fast and hasty decisions, but two, um, to really make you question yourself and, and you know, try not to let doubt creep in. Where do you, and before, before I ask this question, let me ask another one. <laughs> uh, in, in the time that I've known you um, and worked with you, you have done, a, in my opinion, you've done a, a tremendous job of not only being an outlet for coaches, but using your position and your platform at Powerlift to support various initiatives of different organizations, where I, I would assume that that that's that is part of your benevolence and your uh, your benevolence is, is part of your why, right? Because you're, you're trying to leave it better than you found it. Absolutely, but. Obviously, you know, some of that money is finite. You can't, you, you may not always be able to give what you want. You may not be able to give at all. Um, so what propels you to, to use to your, your, the resources that you have um, for these different organizations that are never going to buy directly from you, right? Cause it is, they specifically don't need it, but obviously Yes, it's a network thing, and you know maybe somebody inside of that organization eventually needs equipment. But I know that that's not the initial goal, and that's not even necessarily the long term goal. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a happy byproduct of that interaction. Correct. Um. So the, I guess let me let me make sure I got the question. To me is why do I put why do I support so many different initiatives? I guess is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, I do that because that's how I was raised up in the business, man. Like um, we help each other. Um, it's, you know, I'll use the word brotherhood because it is. Um, it's a sisterhood, too. Don't let me not be gender equitable um, in that in that statement. Um, a lot of my peers and my some of my closest strength coaches were females as well. Um, obviously, my coworker is a female. So um, I do that because. I know how big the platform is that I stand on. Uh, I I respect the fact of the platform that I've been blessed to stand on with, with 
Powerlift, the, the company. Um, I, I know how big the name is in the state of Texas nationally. And as you said earlier, in the, and when we started globally, um, I think it's important that every chance I get to pay it forward to whatever initiative it is, if I believe in that initiative and I believe in that group of people, then I want to know that I support that group of people. I don't give a, a rip. I was about to use a cuss word trying to G-rate it. Um, I don't give a rip about making a sale, man. Like that's going to come. It's going to come. For me, it's about using the platform that I have to say this organization is important. That organization is important. This group of people is important. This clinic is important because it's helping our profession grow and it's helping the people in that organization grow in our profession, if that makes sense. Um, so that's that's why I do that. And I fight the Miss Chris, using her as my example. Miss Chris will tell you, and Mike Richardson, my, my director, will tell you, I will fight tooth and nail. And I will fight to the death for things I believe in. Um, they'll tell me no. And I'll say, no, that's not good enough. No, we're going to do this. We need to do this. And as long as I can support, again, back my why, most of the time, Powerlift has has been very supportive of the things that we wanted to be a part of here in Texas. Yeah. You know, I, you talk about wanting to coach coaches. Yeah. And you get to do that to a degree with going in and, and working with them, you know, and, and they're purchasing and, and asking them questions. Mm -hmm. Where would you like to see growth from your company standpoint or, or from another avenue to further coach coaches? Because obviously when you're at clinics, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily get to do that. You may not even be able to listen to some of the lectures because you're tied up, you know, just right questions at the booth. Um, so I would assume every now and then you get that itch to kind of see what's going on and, and, and kind of dip your toe, you know, in, yep. in the water, but you don't want to go full in. Right. Nah, man, nah, my days of going full in are all out. <laughs> I'll go, uh, I'll go, you know, waiting, but I'm not going head first anymore. Um, you know, I think for me, coaching the coaches, that's a tough one too. I mean, I, it's, I enjoy the clinics. Um, you know, I, I enjoy that, the interaction, but you don't really get that intimate conversation that you would have. And what we did for the, you know, two or three years, COVID kind of blew everything apart, but with the round tables, um, I felt like the round tables that we started up in the DFW area, then it spread down here to central Texas a little bit. And then it picked up a little bit of steam in San Antonio with those round tables with that central group of people was a collective unit where I walked in and I didn't wear a powerless shirt. Everybody can, everybody will tell you that. Um, I supported and I supported the round tables through food. And yeah, I would always bring some swag because we know how strength coaches like swag, but I was there as a strength coach. I was there to learn. I was there to give feedback. I was there to evaluate what's going on in the industry so that I can stay current in the industry because that, you know, relevancy is what it's all about. We know that, especially in today's world, it's about being relevant. And so for me, the round table supported face interaction with a group of strength coaches who were fighting the same battle every day that may not have been the battle I was facing D1, but the kids are still the kids. You know, some of the struggles you have with the student athletes or with technique or what I mean, are going to be the same. So um, that's, that's where I, I felt like I really enjoyed and was really able to coach the coaches. Um, and there's been times where coaches have called me and they're like, so I'm, I'm struggling with this. Like, here's what I'm thinking about doing, but what would you do? And I, and, you know, that gives me a chance to dip my toe in the water there. 
Um, I've gone on evaluated programs. I would love to have the opportunity to do that more uh, for a strength coach to say, hey, come watch what we're doing for a couple of days and let's chop it up over some lunch um, or in the office with the coaches and let's tell me what you see. Tell me what you see. Because that was, as a strength coach, that was, uh, that was probably one of my greatest attributes is I saw everything. And that's the way I design a room. I design a room that if you're the only coach and there's 80 dudes, I'm going to see everybody doing the same thing at the same time. I'm not going to miss a thing. Um, and so that, you know, that that's how I coach the coaches, man. I mean, it, it was the round tables and it's just intimate conversations. It's just being in the area and say, Hey, I'm in the area. I'm going to stop in for a minute. Let's see when y'all training. And I'll just, I'll drop in and train. And so I kind of scratch that itch um, by hearing somebody else blow the whistle and be able to watch what you guys are doing um, with your programs. Well, you have an open door to always come wherever I'm at. I appreciate that. Hendrickson or, or, you know, if, if I'm so called to move somewhere else, but uh, you, you're always welcome to come and, and give me, give me feedback. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have thin skin, so you can tell me how bad I am and that's okay. <laughs> you're not bad, man. I would never, I would never say anybody's bad. Like I said, there's, there's no right or wrong in this thing. No, man, but it's, it, it it's truly, it's truly awesome you know because I, for me growing up and going through high school you know there was not a whole lot of exposure to additional one additional strength coaches just because of where I was at I, I wasn't you know we had a couple of different guys that lifted and that coached us um, and then we didn't get the exposure to additional equipment the way that it's out there now where you have just Absolutely. a multitude of of companies to choose from um so i you know to me that the ability to tell our kids like if your goal is to go to the next level realize that the same stuff that they're using at this school and that school is the same stuff that you that there's no and and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no there's no difference of grade in the quality that's in Hendrickson High School versus at UT Baseball versus um, you know at, at Texas Tech. Like what we have is the same that they have. It's the same steel. It's the same vinyl. You know, you're not you're not going ah. Oh, this is a this is you know BFE this is BFE High School. Give them the yeah. Give them the scraps. <laughs> you know, like nah. Um, and I think that goes back to what you said, like every room is important. Um, you know, to some people we would probably view and like mm, Texas Tech's probably a little more important than, than Hendrickson, but there's, there's a, right. But there's a chain, right? There, there's a path. Yep. There are kids that eventually want to go there or, or, you know, down the road, you want to show up at another school. Like you get to say, Hey, I'm training on the same stuff that, that this school is training on. Like there's, it's all the more to me, it's all the more reason why we need, you know, more investment in the kids. Um yes. one with, with certified and full time SNC coaches at every campus. Yes. Also to to have at least bring bring you, bring Missy, um, you know, somebody like Yox in, like the, the, these these representatives need to be brought in, not just to try to find the best thing for their budget, but just to to hear the the 
the knowledge that they have and have the questions asked, um, you know, because like we talked about sport coaches are going to want certain things differently because Mm -hmm. they only understand it from this perspective. And sometimes strength coaches think that they didn't have all the answers and and probably don't have, (laughs) we all have to have a piece of humble pie every now and then, but yes, we do. You know, it's important that, that you get a voice to help, um, you know, and and I just, you know, obviously your wife is your daughter. Well, your daughter may not directly go to that school, but somebody's daughter, somebody's son is. That's right. You can be, you can facilitate in their best interest by asking the right questions. Correct. I mean, and that's, and really, and that's what I do, man. I mean, it's, and I think to go back to what you're saying about the the quality of equipment, I've pretty much stand on I stand on this platform you know and I, and I say that because having been on the other side or on the you know the division one side of it for a number of years and hearing what the kids would always say about you know equipment so on and so forth just in random conversation um I know in today's world how important it is from a recruiting perspective to be able for you at Hendrickson or y'all at Hendrickson to be able to say yo UT football is using the same equipment man there's no different there's nothing different we are investing in you because I will say school districts that put power lift in place in their facilities are, I will tell you, 100% unequivocally are investing in their kids. They're investing in the athletic program and they're investing in the future for their, for not only the populations that's there now, but the population to come. And it, it speaks volumes. And I'm, I'm passionate about power lift because I trained on it for 21 years, 20 years, but I'm also passionate about it because I know when I rep this brand and I'm able to sell to this, this school, the size of the school, it doesn't matter to me, the size of the school. I know that I have done my due diligence and I have coached the coaches in investing in the future of not only the kids that are there now, but the kids that are to come like my daughter, you know what I'm saying? Or your kids, whoever's kids. I know it's going to be safe. I know it's going to be functional. I know it's going to be icy white or whatever color it needs to be to, to pop for the, you know, matte black murdered out. It's going to be whatever it needs to be for that school to have pride in the facility and to have pride in their athletic program. Because, I mean, that's what it's all about, man. I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. You spend more time in the weight room than you spend anywhere on campus. And if a sport coach wants to argue with me on that, tell them to come see me because that's the facts. If you're not spending that much time in the weight room, year round, you're likely not winning championships. Um, Argyle High School wins what they win. Denton Gar wins what they win. The two things are consistent about them, aside from the college schools, they live in the weight room. They live in the weight room. So, you know, that's that's just two examples. But, I mean, it's just that that's paying it forward. And, I, I, you know, I get geeked out or excited or whatever every cell I make or every room I get to install because – I know that I have left an imprint in that in that school or in that university for years to come. And I know that I have made an impact, whether it be I never blew a whistle, but I know as long as the right coaches are in place, those kids are going to be taken care of. And that's what matters. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I sincerely appreciate all that you that you've done uh, for Hendrickson, for uh, the things that I've talked to you about from from different organizations and the support that you've given. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's truly an, an honor to, to just be able to call you up, you know, and, and, um, 
just ask you questions. I'm sure sometimes you you're wonder why the hell I'm bothering you. Um, and you, uh, you're Maybe. like this fool, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you know, we, we can just, I can ask you questions about different things and you, you give me quality answers. It's not, I don't ever feel blown off. Um, and, and, you know, well, I mean, you, appreciate you it. easily do that. Um, and it probably wouldn't hurt my feelings, um, because you got other pressing matters, but, but truly it's, can't say that about everybody that they when they answer the phone or they answer a text like you know it's a genuine response sometimes it's just a fast one but you know yeah. I'm, I'm thankful for you and, and a handful of other people that uh, that I can honestly get genuine feedback whether I want to hear it or not is different but <laughs> it's, yeah. it's genuine yep it's going to be and that's that's the thing I think that I would say about me and I think most people that know me and I think you would say you can attest to I'm a I'm going to shoot you straight. You might not like my response. You might not like how I, how I present my response sometimes, depending on how I'm passionate I am about that particular topic. But I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how I feel. And then we can discuss how you feel and find a compromise or, you know, or, or move on. I mean, either way we're, we're entitled to our opinion. So, um, I, I just appreciate the opportunity to be able to, to have conversations with coaches like yourself as you grow in the profession, um, evolving from a sport coach into a powerlifting coach, now into a strength conditioning coach. To see that evolution lets me know that our profession still is tracking in the right way. You know what I mean? The most unsafe room on campus is going to be okay in the next few years because more and more districts, as we've seen this year, are acquiring a, you know, school-wide or, you know, what have you, certified strength conditioning coach. And that speaks volumes for our profession having grown to the point that they now recognize the importance of the weight room and also the safety involved with the weight room and needing someone who knows how to orchestrate workouts in a, in a safe environment for all those athletes. And it's not a, it's not a one size fits all, just like a room is not one size fits all. The program programming for different sports can't be a one size fits all either. Um, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see all these districts are starting to do that. Um, I've been blessed enough to be on the front end of some of those conversations and and kind of give my feedback on what that position should look like. And that's to me that that better than winning a national title. I mean, honestly, because I'm impacting such a large group of people that I otherwise would never be able to impact. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Well, there's there's multitude of ways to get a hold of you, uh, you know, <laughs> talk about yeah. social media. Um, I guess, you know, there's probably some, a little bit of confusion, right? Cause you have your personal Twitter. Yep. Then there's the powerlift Texas Twitter. Then there's yep. powerlift Twitter. <laughs> I, you know, what, what, it, and then obviously, you know, the, your email, if, if someone wanted to just directly reach out to you in regards to anything else, but what is, what is the best way to get a hold of you, whether it's for, questions regarding strength conditioning posterior chain development um you know or, or the inevitable sale you know what what, yeah. what are they where do you want the people directed to i mean I, whatever is most what i'll tell i've told you before noon and i'll tell any coaches whatever is most convenient for you i mean there'll be times i'll dm coaches you know, on twitter um just because i happen to be on twitter and i see something hey hey coach what you doing like what I'm not one that's going to get into the banter <laughs> that um, maybe Missy gets into on her personal account. Um, that's not really my forte. Uh, but I would say, you know, 
text is, I think you would attest to text. You can pretty much catch me from 7 a.m. or 6.30 sometimes all the way to 6 or 7 o'clock at night, most days. Um, if I don't have my phone with me, I'm going to check my phone because I want to be accessible as a resource. And I also know being a strength coach, man, you think about buying something or you think about needing something, it's already too late. You needed it yesterday. You needed it the day before. So I try to be readily, readily available via text. That would probably be the easiest way to reach me. Um, you can also reach me on, I would say, Twitter more than Instagram. Um, and I know it gets confusing with Powerlift versus Powerlift Tech. That would be that when Missy joined us last year, that was one of my biggest pushes for part of her position or her role in her position would be our social media and to, to take care of a Powerlift Texas account. And that kind of grew organically from the roundtables that we started in DFW. We wanted to create that was for Texans by Texas. And that's what Powerlift Texas is. We're trying to grow it. It's taking some time, but we're trying to grow it so that it is, you know, coaches from all around the nation, primarily in Texas, but know its resources for just things that are happening in Texas, whether it be a clinic, whether it be a new room that's getting installed, whatever. It's, it's filtering through Powerlift Texas, and then Powerlift takes it and blows it up globally. But on being being an import, I guess you would say, to Texas, Missy is a true Texan, but having been here for 20-some-odd years now, 25 probably, I guess, close to it, um, I've lived over half my life here, so I understand the significance of being in the Lone Star State. I understand we as Texans love Texas. And it was important for me to 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 build that brand even more. And that's where Power of Texas came from. So if you want to reach out to us on that, more than happy to answer any questions. You'll get probably get Missy's feedback and then she'll shoot it over to me to get my feedback. Um, we kind of tag team that. I let her run the account primarily. Um, I think everybody that knows Missy knows that from some of her verbiage and stuff. But um, she's doing a great job with it. Tremendous rock star hire for me and for Powerlift. Um, but for me, text and I would say Twitter are my top two. All right. I'm going to get you out of here on arguably the most important question. And this could potentially hinder or accelerate your future commissions. Oh, boy. You have an idea what it is? No, I don't. I thought you were going to ask something about my why my uh... – while my profile pick is what it is, I, I thought that was going to be the question about the Twitter thing, but that's that's good. So we're good. Let's no, uh, not, hey, everybody has their own reasons for that. So yep. uh, no, man, it's it's Texas or Carolina barbecue. Texas or Carolina barbecue. Well, it's not going to impact my sales because <laughs> I, I love Texas barbecue, um, but to me, barbecue in Texas is brisket. Where the differentiation comes, um, and Rick Barnes at Tennessee and I would get into this all the time when he was in Texas, because people in North Carolina too. Um, the differentiation comes is in North Carolina, barbecue is pork, is shredded pork to be specific. Um, and the shredded pork is not, you know, it's not slow roasted, it's not smoked like it is here in Texas, like the brisket is. Um, it's chopped up, and then there's a certain particular sauce. If you're on the west side of North Carolina, which is not where I'm from, it's the not a very good sauce, and to be honest with you, and but then on the east side you've got shredded barbecue that has a vinegar based salt, and when it comes to pork, Carolina barbecues, what's up? When it comes to Texas, 
barbecue and brisket and the sausages and things like that, there's nothing better than Texas barbecue and brisket. There's absolutely nothing better. What's your, so you're, you're a, 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 I guess an uh, Austin Metroplex ite or whatever we call ourselves. (laughs) Whatever we call ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Where is your go-to barbecue spot? Um, And, you know, if you're not going to drive all the way to Lockhart. No, I'm not driving a lot car if I can, unless I'm going on a visit. Um, my go-to spot would be Terry Black's on Guadalupe. Black's Barbecue on uh, on Guadalupe I have found to be the most consistent um, in what they do. Um, I think La Barbecue, now that they have a brick and mortar, um, I think La Barbecue is also really good. Um, but it's uh, my go-to is if somebody comes in town, like family or whatever, or I got a coach that happens to be in town, I'm going to go to Blacks on Guadalupe most of the time just because, I don't know, it's just it's good, man. I, I've never been there, and it's been bad. Late at night, early in the morning, it's still good. Um, and they never really run out either. That's the other thing I would say is and occasionally on a Saturday they might, but most of the time they're going to have what you want. There you go, man. Well, Sean, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for taking the time. I'm glad we – we finally got this episode recorded. It's been a long time coming, man. And and I, I look forward to many more interactions and I uh, hope people find the same, if not more value uh, than what I get from our interactions. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the opportunity to be able to, to get on hanging with Noonan. I feel like I'm, I'm cool now because I've been on hanging with Noonan. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity, man. I mean, it, I, I guess for me, it's, it's always about the relationship. I mean, it's, it's always been around relationships for me. Um, and anything I can ever do to help anybody, um, I'll do whatever I can.